Welcome to the Color Timer podcast. I am your host, Vincent Taylor. This is a podcast where we speak to professionals who work with color. Today, I'm speaking to Anna Escorze. She is a senior colorist for film and television. Uh, Anna was born and raised in Brazil, but she's now based in Toronto in Canada. And she absolutely brings color into the word colorist. Her work just jumps off the screen. She won the award at last year's Film Like Color Awards for the music video Love Zeno. Uh, and she's been chosen as a judge at this year's awards. I'm keen to chat to Anna about all things colour and about the world of judging. Uh, don't forget, uh, as per usual, I'll be using my 15-minute sand timer to keep things on track and keep things focused. Let's go. Take your seats because the hourglass is about to turn. We are entering the world of the micro-podcast. Explore the craft, creativity, and science of professionals who use color to tell stories. Welcome to The Color Timer with Vincent Taylor. Anna, thank you for joining me. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having me. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, uh, now, now, you're a lead colorist at Feather in Toronto, uh, but what's your background? What what pushed you or pulled you uh, into the world of color correction and, ooh, and grading? Ooh, that's always a fun, interesting. I'm going to try to make this quick as possible. Um, Pressure. Oh, I, wait a second. You know what? I do this so often. I forgot to start the timer. Okay. <laughs> got to, I, I'll get in so much trouble from the, someone, from me. Oh, you had the little uh, turny thing. Yeah, a little turny thing to make it all. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Amazing. Um, yeah, honestly, I think I, I had no idea that color was a thing, you know, and um, I came to Canada, you know, as a tourist. I didn't have any idea what to do. I just decided to stay and I had to kind of find a way to make it work. Uh, I didn't immediately go to color. I did a lot of other things before, you know, like the typical restaurants. I worked with cars, washing cars back and forth. And somehow I made my way into working with car parts. And then from there, somehow made a jump to working with camera parts, which is <laughs> a really weird, like, you know, jump. But it kind of worked well at the time, you know, with my logistics, whatever skills in working with car parts, like literally, you know, looking at camera schematics and ordering the, the little bits and pieces. Yeah, it was really, really fun. <laughs> wow. Um, and at the same time, I was, you know, starting to work on set here and there. I ended up getting mm -hmm. a, an agent. So I was going for commercials. He was like, oh, you have a, an interesting different face, you know, for Canada. So like, we'll send you to commercial. Like, okay, great. Um, and it, it was honestly actually the first time that I saw, you know, all the different things in, you know, all the different careers, different paths and, and, and things like that. So hmm. I, you know, I was definitely drawn to it because, you know, decided to start working on set a little bit, did some art department stuff, then did a camera trainee, um, program and kind of slowly, you know, making my way <laughs> towards hanging out around the DIT and figuring out, you know, that, there's a you know this other side of things so i just remember one time just being close to this dit and, and he had like the waveforms on his cart and i was like oh what the fuck is this, this is amazing <laughs> uh and he kind of explained to me a little bit i was like okay no that that's it like i got to sit on you know sit on a chair you know be in an office don't have to deal with the weather and this this is it um 
So that kind of like it was a really, really backwards, you know, way. But yeah. from the moment that I figured it out, I was like, okay, now what do I need to do? I, I don't have any post experience. I'll get like some certifications, whatever, you know, at least I have something on my resume to mm. like give me a chance. Um, but yeah, that was kind of like the start of it all. <laughs> The start of now, uh, now you've spoken in the past about your uh, influences and your early exposure uh, to Brazilian Baroque art. I've got no idea what that is. Can you can you tell me what that is? <laughs> I mean, not that that different from European Baroque art, uh, but it all started. I mean, in Brazil, it was very typical. I'm sure you have that sort of thing in North America as well. But you you go on this like school trips to like you know oh, yeah. historical sites and things like that. So I did that a lot um, as a kid, and obviously you know historically brazil we went to the the towns where like you know colonialism and everything kind of happened so it was my first time really kind of being exposed to it but i just always loved how you know how dramatic it was and seductive at the same time you know um when i think of art i like i like art that kind of has a function and i'm not really like a super religious person um but it has that you know like like Catholic, like doctrine, you know, function, which at the time it kind of served for a lot of people that didn't know how to, you know, how to read or whatnot. So that, that was like their way to kind of uh, yeah. be educated, you know? Yeah. Uh, but at the same time was extremely profane. So I always loved that sort of contrast. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a bit, a little bit of everything really, really, yeah. but it was also the start of, you know, really Brazilian art because, you know, it came, Europeans brought that, like missionaries, really. Um, mm. But it was transformed in a way with like the, you know, Brazilian people, which came mostly from, you know, the slaves and a mix of people, really, that started to adapt that art and kind of make it their own. So really was when that start of like a Brazilian expression kind of started in art. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. To, to answer the yeah. question, really, because it's dramatic and seductive, and I love it. <laughs> yeah. What, 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 what refuels you as an artist and keeps you coming back for more? I think, uh, honestly, I think the the people, really. You know, the fact that we mm. get to work with different people, and 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 I'm always interested in what drives people and like what is their reason, you know, to do what they do or whatever. So. It really kind of, I don't know, it, 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 being a part of the exchange of that, you know, collaboration process, it is exciting because you feed off each other. And the same yeah. at the same time, but like sometimes you might work with someone that you might not have so much of that vibe. So, you know, it, you really feel that, you know, that energy mm. exchange. It can mm. either explode and you do something great or sometimes it's not really <laughs> that great. I don't know. Uh, but it keeps you going, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting that energy, isn't it? And and it can't like I've I've experienced it where sometimes it can be what you might typically view as a, a negative kind of vibe, but that can fuel it as well. A hundred percent. Yeah, that can create something as well. A hundred percent. Yes. Um. It, okay. Here's one for you. It's this, this is a bit kind of philosophical, but like if you could live with one piece of art or art discipline, more more to be more precise, what do you reckon it would be? Like painting, film, sculpture. <laughs> like if you're trapped on a yeah, desert yeah. island i feel like i should say you know something that's related to my career uh, <laughs> but i would no honest i would say sound i think sound really kind of it's it, it's the you know the little fluid that keeps 
things together. It's like the in-between everything and what kind of like, yeah, it's just, I think you can get so much out of, out of sound and it can be anything, you know, like music, whatever, just like going for a walk and just listening to the sounds yeah. of life. Yeah. Yeah. It's so layered, isn't it? Now you, you entered the film like color awards in 2022 and you won, uh, for the music video, uh, uh, what, what was it called? Lo, lo, oh, uh, <laughs> that's it. And, and uh, you know, what's better you say, it, cause I, I, I would butcher the word, uh, by Rachel Rice. Um, and in your acceptance speech, you spoke about like how difficult this industry can be, uh, and even more so as a Latino woman. Um, can you talk to me, me about those challenges and about how you kind of push through them? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, I mean, it's all not, not a, I don't think it's a secret that it's a very male dominated, you know, industry. <laughs> um, it just, it just felt really hard. I remember that, again, going back to the beginning of like, when I discovered, you know, that that's what I wanted to do. Um, it was really, really hard to try to think, okay, what, how do I go in? Like, I, I didn't go to film school. Like, I didn't, I didn't really have the necessary connections. I, you know, like, I, I try to meet with a bunch of people that were doing color and just trying to, you know, ask, okay, how, how did you do it? And like all the ways that they told me, you know, kind of like how it happened for them, I just didn't have the same life experience, right? So I really had to, you know, force my way, <laughs> force my way in, you know, out of like, uh, you know, I want this, like, I'm going to make it happen somehow and I'm going to email you five times, 10 times if I need to um, um, and, and try to get there, right? So, but, you know, I... I I'm really happy with the way that things kind of went and, you know, I'll do it all over again, a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, you, you, you nailed it. It's still in this day and age, it's still so male dominated. And, uh, I always kind of, I ask women, although I should probably ask men more about how men can be more allies in that. I mean, do you have any kind of words of advice for, for, for the men out there who are, <laughs> Honestly, Listening? I don't know because I feel like we are such a different breed, you know, we we have, you know, the colors that are a bit more, you know, um, outgoing, but there's also like the part of us that's really like the, the introspective that like, you know, we're just here hiding in the dark a little bit. Uh, um, so it's hard. I don't know. And yeah. I think it really just is like, if you have whatever, if it's five minutes of your time, just use it you know like yeah. give it to someone yeah. like yeah sometimes it's that's all that people need you know to feel inspired yeah. and kind of it can pursue go a long way right a long yeah. way uh so at the at the color awards last year in your acceptance speech uh you kind of finished up by saying how the award made you feel like you belong can you tell me about that moment <laughs> yes i mean we don't have a lot of uh platforms right like that for us and and when we do it's um I mean, it's just crazy. I I felt honestly really, really honored because the people that were, you know, judging the awards and everyone that was there being a part of it and, and everything, it just felt so special. Like, oh my God, like we're doing all of this for us, you know, like we're, you know, we're just people that so sit cool. behind a, a computer and then suddenly we have like, I don't know, Ben Davis saying my name on stage, you know, um, so it's important. It's important. I mean, we, it's an, it's a human necessity. We need to feel like we belong regardless, like, you know, if it's like in life or whatever, in careers, you know, and our community is, you know, again, we're, we're the, the solo tennis players alone in, in the dark room. Right. <laughs> That's awesome. That's exactly what it is. 
Um, now, now you're going to be a judge uh, in the awards this year. My time. Um, yeah. So uh, how do you feel about being a judge this time around? I am excited, honestly. I have no idea what what to expect. I mean, I've, I've judged some uh, awards before, um, but this somehow feels different, you know, <laughs> like being, you know, having having won like the, the, the last year and then getting to be a part of it this this year. I don't know. I'm just I'm just excited to, to go through this process. <laughs> Here's a here's an awful question to ask you. How do you go about judging color grading? I mean, what are you looking for? Ooh, yeah, that is a tough one because color can be so so subjective. Yeah. Um, honestly, I I try to see you know the project as a whole. Of course, I'm not there to judge like the narrative, like the story, if it's like whatever you know. But um, I think I think it's really special when you can get to see something that doesn't make you think too much about it. If that makes sense. It's almost yeah. like it's almost like you're watching you're watching a, a piece and the, the work is invisible. <laughs> you're not yeah. thinking like, oh, yeah. I don't like it or whatever. Like it's just kind of like it, it allows you to focus on on the story, really. Um, yeah. yeah, I know exactly what you mean. You get lost in it and you're not even. Yeah, I, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Um, do you think like in terms of color grading awards that there is a separation between the skill set of color correction and color grading? I mean, I think a lot of people would, you know, make that distinction and, you know, talking about color correction when you're like really just adjusting things to like what they're supposed to be and then color grading to like the moment where you get to be, you know, the, the put in the creative look onto it. I think if you're looking through through those lens, like, yes, absolutely. I think it's, you know, at times it can be a lot more work to color correct if you have like a bunch of uh, different you know, clips, different cameras and everything. How do you go about from a technical standpoint to making those things again, flow to that point of like, you know, to whoever's going to watch, not having that feeling of like the work is almost invisible. Right. Um, and you know, when you're really putting a look into it and like you are essentially kind of like erasing a little bit of that correction and into like, you know, forcing that look that at times it might not be what it's, you know, things actual actually look like, you know? I've got another tough question for you. This one's a bit nasty. Uh, <laughs> how do you, how, how do you, and it's still in the, in terms of judging, mm-hmm. but how, how do you factor budgets when judging a color award? I mean, a higher budget project is always going to have uh, like an aesthetic head start. You know, they've got the, 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 the wardrobe, they've got the, the art direction, they've got more time to color grade. I mean, can you factor that in when judging or, or not really? I, I mean, personally, it was interesting because I, I I can't say that I think too much of it, you know. Um, I can I can tell for experience, you know, if I am like at the cinema or something watching a piece that obviously has you know had a big budget, I'm not necessarily you know, I don't necessarily like it more just because of it, you know. There's also like a lot of you know lower budget projects or in the um, productions where you know they do things. I think honestly, it's what speaks is how much people put into it, you know, from like how much people care about it. And then, and, and, you know, you can, you can really tell and it comes true in the work. Um, so it's not, honestly, it's not really something that I focus on um, because people can do amazing, amazing things with, you know, n- almost nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree with that actually. Um now, now, what would you say to someone, uh, a colorist with less experience or, or just someone who's lacking confidence about entering into the color awards? 
Oh, just do it. A hundred percent. There's nothing, honestly, there's nothing, there's nothing to lose and you never know, right? Uh, it's, you know, the platform is there. We need to take advantage of it. There's not a lot of, not a, a lot of spaces like that um, for us. And, you know, speaking for experience, you know, being able to go there and, and, and do the thing, <laughs> um, it was really special. And I, I mean, I, I it w- La Vizinho was the only project that I submitted. I never thought that, okay, this is going to, you know, get the attention. I submitted because, okay, I, I really liked the, pro- the project. I stood, be- I stood behind it. Um, and yeah, you just never know. It's just, it's the same thing that, you know, if you don't ask, you'll never know. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, coming back to, uh, the color suite and the, the world of color grading, when, when you begin a project and your, your, you know, a, a client comes to you, how does that? How does that start? How do they, do they say? Here's some references, or here you go, or I mean, how do you begin to get inside someone's head f- f- for color? Oh, I can. I think it can be so different, and yeah, I think we all express ourselves so differently. You know, like I, I know that I'm a more visual person. Some, some people are more verbal. Like people express themselves really in different ways, and you know, you like our job, you know, when we're sitting in the chair, it's kind of like to also figure that psychological part of like how, you know, like how, do, how does that person like in like express themselves or like how do they understand? Like how, how can I make this communication as, you know, like smooth as possible so we can kind of, you know, you know, make that exchange. Um, usually, of course, I do ask for references because you want to have an idea of like what people have been thinking about. A lot of the times it kind of goes the opposite way. So it's, it's it, you know, it's always a process that evolves and, it, you know, it's a constant, <laughs> you know, mix and match. But you need, you need, it's just something to start a conversation, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I I agree. Do you have? I, I always do this. I, I my my timer runs out. I go. Oh, I just squeeze in one more. <laughs> so this is my last one. This is my last one. Uh, um, do you have a a genre or a a project that would be your you know something that you haven't worked on before, like a I don't know a science fiction or or, or what something that you go. Oh, that's something I would really love to work on. Ooh, um, I I, I would love to have. I mean, it's not really like reflective of the environment itself. It's more like comedy. I think comedy. Mm. Oh is, yeah. Okay. Comedy is so hard to to do, like to do it right. <laughs> um, so it's not even from like a you know a, a, like a, a color standpoint. It's really just like the the material and being a part of that. It, I, yeah. I just find it. Yeah, I, I find it comedy something really really hard to do right. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Well. I'm, I'm going to be good. I'm going to I'm going to pull the plug. Um, <laughs> and thank you so much. Thank you so much for taking time thank out to you. chat to me. Good luck in the world of judging. Uh, get your entries in. Uh, I think they close July 31st. The Filmlight Color Awards. This is the third year now. It's really starting to expand. And um, it, look, it doesn't matter what platform you use, where you are globally, what level you're at. Enter. It's worth it. It's worth it. Uh, I would like to thank my executive producer, MixingLight.com. If you are watching this or listening to this on their website, you already know what they do. Uh, If not, check them out, MixingLight.com. They can help you all things color. Uh, I would like to thank my friend of the show, Filmlight, and my producer, Kayla. Uh, And thanks to you. Thank you for listening. Uh, Like, subscribe to all of that. It does help. And uh, I'll see you on the next one. Keep coloring outside the lines. See ya. The Color Timer a micro-podcast experience.